0: We want to welcome everybody to Sunday School of Victory Baptist Church. And um, sorry about that; we was clearing up a couple details. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven, talking about the faith and obedience of Noah. And uh, most of us, we we are believe we're well versed in the story of Noah. And uh, you know, you got an idea of what the ark looks like. You think from you know the toys you've bought your children and stuff, but uh, that, that wasn 't what the ark really looked like, but anyway, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse seven, the Bible says, "By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not as yet oh not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is of faith. And uh, as I was looking over this um, I had so many notes, it, it, it's uh, difficult not to kind of plow a little bit, corner of some other man's field. So I, try, I was trying to avoid that. And if, uh, if you would turn back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, and uh, that was the reading, 6 and 7. And uh, we're going to maybe make a couple applications about the, the faith of Noah. You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 of, of the days of Noah, and uh, were were days of wickedness. You know, in verse 5 he says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Continually. You know, I know it, it, it's popular for us to talk about the wickedness of the day in which we live. And and uh, we, we have an idea that, we, we probably live because the world in our generation, in our time, has is, is grown more and more in, the, the, in our eyes and in the view of the Bible into a more wicked and wicked society. But I don't think we lived in any more wicked time than it was in the days of Noah. If you look in Luke chapter 17 where, where Jesus is making the comparison you know, he includes as uh, the days of Noah, and he says, and also the days of Lot, when he's talking about uh, uh, the times of Noah and, and how things will be that will be kind of a sign of the time of his return. There, there was perverseness, sexual perversity, in the days of Noah. You know, you have you thought about uh, uh, you know that sometimes when I, I read these things about these uh, uh, horrific. Um, tortures that man inflicts upon other men during, during these uh, times of war. And I, and I just, I wonder, how can man's mind dream up this kind of stuff? Well, it was just like it was in those days. Man's mind's on wickedness continually, continually. But you know what? I was thinking about the faith of Noah and thinking about what faith, what faith will produce in, an, in a man, in a generation, despite his surroundings, despite the circumstances. And the first thing I was thinking about, the faith of Noah produced purity in the midst of immorality. In a time of, of wicked immorality, if you were to look back in chapter 4, it, there's a, a listing from about verse 16 on through 24 of the, the uh, descendants of Cain and what, what they, they brought to the world. And uh, Lamech, it, it talks about Lemek and that he, he married two wives. He just ignored God's plan of marriage and brought immorality into the world in that fashion. And you know, th- this is what, what Noah's living in. But you know what? Be, even in that wickedness, uh, I was looking at that and, and uh, I was thinking about something Thoreau had written and talking about uh, what we hear today about man. And they say, man is evolving Man is ever, ever getting better. But you know what? That's not what I see. And look what the Bible says in verse uh, 5 there. That the thought, in a, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, man's wickedness is internal. It's an inside job, as one pastor put it. You know, we like to say, uh, the society likes to say, well, it's an environmental issue. Education will solve that problem. It's an uh, economic issue. A better job will solve that problem. God says it's an inside issue. It's a heart problem. And even in, in that, that time of wickedness, but what does the Bible say in verse 8? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. You know, in the middle of all this wickedness, in the middle of all this perverseness, Noah and his family were a light. They were a light for, for the things of, of God. And you know, I, I, when I read this about uh, he, he was perfect in his generations, you know what that means? It, it means that the faith was passed generationally. The fathers taught the sons. And, and, and I tell you what, I've... I, I have a word to fathers, a word to fathers on this. Fathers, are you passing it on to your children? Or is your faith a seasonal faith? You know, I, I believe we all can use a vacation. I believe there's, there's a, a time that it's good to get out of the routine, take your family away, and, and uh, go on vacation, have a time of rest. But let me ask you, fathers, is your vacation every weekend when your family should be in church? Is, is it a time, oh, well, we've got the lake house, you know, we're, we're going to the lake this weekend. Or that's when my golfing tournaments are, it's on the weekend. You know, the thing about Noah, what, Noah's, uh, what Noah did during this time, what Noah said, Noah did. You know, if you ask yourself, what's more important, that I teach my children what's right or I do, do what's right? And it's kind of like the question when you're flying at 35,000 feet which wing on the plane's most important, the one on the left or the one on the right? Listen, Noah did what was right. Noah taught what was right. And it was passed from him to his children. It had been passed from his father to him, it had been passed from Methuselah to Noah's father. It was a generational thing. We see what in, in the book of Joshua what happened to the generation that wasn't taught the things of God. Listen, the f- faith produces purity in an island uh, in, a, in a sea of immorality. Not only that, I, I was thinking faith will produce obedience in adversity produces obedience and adversity. You know, look what, what God commanded of Noah. He started there in verse 14. and said, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms uh, shalt, thou, uh, shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And he goes on and he gives the dimensions of the ark and he gives the, the, the fashioning of the ark. And, and, you know, in verse 22, the Bible says, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded. Now there's some plays on, not plays on words, but if, if uh, you were to look up that word in verse 14 where he says make thee an ark, that word has the idea of exactness, just like I want it made. In the Greek translation, if we were to turn back to Hebrews chapter 9 and read about the, the building of the ark of the covenant, you would, you would see that, that uh, the writer of Hebrews said that it was done exactly like that. And that's what Moses did. You know, or, or, um, that's, that's what uh, Noah did here. He built it exactly like the Lord told him to build it. You know what I thought about? Moses or Noah was careful to listen. He was careful to listen. You know, I thank the Lord for cell phones. Because when my wife calls me in the middle of the day and she says, I want you to stop at the grocery store and I want you to get milk, bread, and eggs. I tell you what, when I get to the grocery store, I'm thinking milk. And I draw a blank on the other th- two, you know? Listen, you know why? Because I wasn't careful to listen. You know, you shake somebody's hand that's new and they tell you their name. You walk away, your wife says, who's that? And you're thinking, oh. <laughs> you know, some of it's age, I get it. But you know what? We're not careful to listen. No, it was careful to listen to, the, to what God had to say. listen. He didn't allow his critics to distract him. Can you imagine Noah's day? Have you thought about the the stamina of the faith of Noah? You realize that Noah was a preacher of the gospel. The Bible says that he preached it for over a hundred years. And the Bible doesn't tell us that he he ever heard another word from God until one week before the flood was to come. You know, I I tell you what, I missed church one week and I feel it. I see it in my life. A hundred years, Noah was careful to listen and obey what God had to say. You say, "Well, yeah," but God spoke direct to him. Man, if God would speak direct to me, I'd be that way. I'd take you back to Exodus chapter four. You know, Moses spoke, or God spoke direct to another fellow there named Moses. You'd think Moses would be quick to obey, wouldn't you? I mean, God, when when Moses put up a front, what did God do? He said, take that staff and drop it down on the floor, and it turned into a snake. And God said, pick it up. (laughs) Moses didn't want to pick it up. I get it, right? He picks it up, turns back into a staff. God says, put your hand inside your vest. He pulls it out. Man, it's white as snow. It's lepers. And he says, put it back in. He puts it back in. He draws it out. It's clean as baby skin. And what's Moses' reaction? But, but, that wasn't the faith of Noah. Noah, in the midst of you, you know people had to be ridiculing him. You know people were making fun of him. A hundred years? Noah, what's that thing you're building again? Why are you building it again? Who told you to build it? Have you ever seen any of these things? Has yet not seen, unseen. Moses persisted. He persisted. You know, God called Moses a man of faith not because after 120 years he had preached and nobody had come. It wasn't people's response to Moses. It was, I keep saying Moses, it was Noah's response to God. That's why he was a man of faith. Not only that, faith is patient. Faith is patient in the midst of uncertainty. You realize God told Noah and his family to get on the ark. God shuts the door. He says, you wait seven days. Can you imagine what they're hearing outside the ark? They could hear. I'm sure the crowds gathered. You know, probably day one when the door was shut, the people were waiting. They were kind of hesitant. A little afraid. By day two, they started feeling better. Do you remember Y2K? Anybody buy a generator for that? I did. <laughs> okay, I was hedging my bets. <laughs> I was. But day two, though, I felt pretty good about it. I said, okay, no crash, we're all good, right? I figured these people were feeling that way too. All good. Hey, Noah, what's going on in there, Noah? Man, the sun's shining out here. It's feeling good. Yeah, we're, we're having a barbecue, Noah. You could come if you weren't in there. But on day seven, the word of God was fulfilled, wasn't it? Then came the rain. Then the ark floated. Did you realize they were in that ark for a year? And again, the Bible never once says that God communicated with them. After that thing hit ground, you know, Noah sends the raven out. A week later, he sends a a dove out. A week later, he sends that dove out again. You know, I've been sending one every 30 minutes. (laughs) I just know me, you know. But Noah was patient. You know what Noah was doing? He was waiting on the Lord. His faith allowed him to wait on the Lord. Is that your faith? To wait on the Lord? And then finally, a faith that worships in the midst of difficulty. You know what Noah did when he came out of that ark? Well, I should say, you know what I would have done? Lord, don't do that to me again. (laughs) Lord, I just, that's more than any one man can stand, Lord. You know, the Bible says Noah built an altar and worshiped. He led his family in, in worship. I wonder if that's what my faith would do. William Carey, missionary to India, I've mentioned him before. On March 12, 1812, there was a fire. He had had translated the Bible into Sanskrit, the predominant uh, language in in, uh, India there, the writing, written language. He had translated the Old Testament, most of the Old Testament, into Kanis, I think is how, or Karnese, if I spelled it right. All his years of labor were burned up in one night. Boy, that would be defeating, wouldn't it? You know what William Carey said? He said, in one night, the labors of years are consumed. He said, the Lord has laid me low that I may look more simply to him. Faith. Listen, it, it's not something we just talk about. It's something that we demonstrate by our lives.
1: Amen. And your uh, just wisdom of the
0: word of God. I mean, we want you to know we love you, and we're thankful to have both of you here this morning. Now let's give them a hand. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, brother Tony. Let's go.
1: This is one of those mornings I wish the preacher was teaching. <laughs> uh, Rebecca's fiance, and I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Carrie asked me what I was teaching. <laughs> It's one of those days I really don't know. Uh, I've been everywhere this week. You know, Brother Dale talking about Noah and faith. uh, That was so good. Uh, You know, one thing that always astounds me, and Brother Dale hit on it there, God gave man 120 years to repent. 120 years. Was that reasonable? That was way beyond reasonable. And yet not one person other than Noah's family believed what God said. Not a person. That always just amazes me. That was the depravity of man. Thank you for that, Brother Dale. That was really good. Uh, I got a couple of prayer requests here this morning. We've been praying for Fred Thacker. This is uh, Penny's brother's father-in-law. And he passed away last night. So be praying for the family of Fred Thacker. Also be praying for Donna and the Atkins family and Bill's death. Uh, Tragic. So just keep Dawn in mind. Keep Dawn in prayer. Uh, all these it'll help. It'll help tremendously. I just be praying for God's grace for her and Emily Williamson. This is uh, Brother Dan and Miss Terry's daughter-in-law. Uh, she's thirty-one, mother of four young children. Uh, she's been diagnosed with cancer, and uh, she goes to the cancer specialist on the. 27th of December uh, there in Oklahoma City to determine uh, the course of action. So just be praying uh, for Emily, Emily Williamson. This is Carrie and Dan's daughter-in-law. So be praying for her. Uh, Any other special requests this morning? Dad? Be praying for Ms. Daphne. She goes to court on Tuesday? Tuesday morning. morning. Uh, Because of the accident that took place back there in the summertime. Just be praying for that situation. Daphne, she goes on Tuesday, goes to court. So be praying for that. Anybody else over here? Steph? Be praying for this lady, Penny Birch, that Stephanie knows, uh, had uh, surgery this past week on, for breast cancer, just be praying for her, and then she's lost her husband, so a lot of difficulty, a lot of sorrow, a lot of hurt, so just be praying for her. Uh, anyone else? Arnold? Amen. Be praying for Joseph. On his little grandbaby. Just be praying for him to, to, to get to where he can get out of the NIC unit and be able to get home, uh, to, you know, mature enough that he can come home. So just be praying for him. Uh, Cindy? I'm just waiting for some more results on my thyroid. Be praying for Cindy. She's still waiting results on uh, the biopsy from her thyroid. So just be praying for that situation and as she waits for that. Be praying for a better report than what um, you know she thinks may be there from what she got on her phone. So just be praying for that situation. Anybody else over here, uh, Brother Lane? Well, so man um, and, uh, the Man. Uh, be praying for the Sexton family also. Uh, memorial service on this coming Wednesday, um, but just be praying for the. You know, the, the ministry and the college, all these things that are praying for the family uh, at this time. Eddie, did you have your hand up? Um, my brother Roger and my niece Phyllis, uh, that I've mentioned before. Okay, be praying for Eddie's. Be praying for Eddie's brother that has cancer and then his niece has some heart issues. We need to be praying for her. Um, anyone else? Anybody on this side this morning have any special requests? Uh, Diane? Mm. Be praying for Olivia's little one. She's got two there to doctor right now with uh, ear infections. So just be praying for them. Uh, anyone else over here? Anybody else? Hey, there's no other prayer request, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless. Father, I am grateful this morning, Lord, just to be an heir, to be adopted into the family of God, to have been given the greatest gift that mankind has ever been given. Father, the gift of eternal life. The gift of redemption. The gift of pardon. Father, to stop and think about what I have been redeemed from. Lord, when my sin debt was paid in full at Calvary. And my wages were paid in full. I no longer had to worry about separation and eternity in the lake of fire because I accepted the free gift of what the Lord Jesus Christ did at Calvary. He came into this world, and Lord, I thank You for this time of year when we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest day this world has ever known, a day that changed the history of mankind. Our Lord was born for one purpose to buy man back, to redeem fallen man. Because of sin that had separated us from God the Father, we needed redemption. No way we could pay for it. No way we could redeem ourselves. No way we could be justified. Apart from that righteousness and holiness of the very Son of God that imputed to us that righteousness. Put it on our account. The moment that we accepted that free gift. Oh God, I'm so thankful for that great gift that immeasurable gift that gift beyond comprehension Father I thank you for the word of God that's clear about that gift about what it takes to be redeemed that there is no redemption that there is no forgiveness of sin apart from the shedding of blood and how that our Savior was the very Son of God, and is the very Son of God, and He lives today to make intercession for us. Lord, I thank You for what You do, what's been done, my future. Lord, I thank You for all of this. Father, this morning we've heard many requests. And Lord, I'm so thankful You heard. I'm so thankful that You're concerned. Lord, we think of Joseph, Arnold, Dan's grandson, Jacob's son, Tiffany's son. Lord, I pray for him as he's there in that Nick unit, that, Lord, you'll strengthen his little body. Lord, you'll raise him up physically and give him the strength, Lord, to begin life's journey here. Father, just help him physically to be able to get home. Father, I think of Cindy this morning. Lord, as she awaits these results, From the biopsy there on her thyroid. Lord, you know our desire. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you will work. Lord, you'll do what only you can do. Father, just work in that situation there. Calm each one. Father, we think of Stephanie's request, Lord, for this friend of hers that's had. Surgery this past week, Lord, for the cancer to be removed there, her breast. Father, just pray that you'll help her to heal. Lord, I pray that it'll be a success. Lord, just comfort her as she mourns, her husband. Lord, I think of others. Lord, I think of Emily this morning, Brother Dan and Terry's daughter-in-law. Lord, that has heard the news and been given the news that she has cancer. Lord, as she meets with this specialist on the 27th, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll give wisdom, that you'll guide the doctors. Lord, you'll just uh, give peace, Lord, with her. Father, just be with her family. Lord, we think of Fred Thacker's family and his death. Lord, just comfort them. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, for Donna to boys, their family Lord, in the death of Beal Father, comfort them help them give them your grace give them your strength Father, we think of uh, Brother Sexton's family and his passing Lord, just be with that family in a very special way and Father, the ministry there and the college all that takes place Father, I pray that you'll just uh, keep your hand upon it and work, Lord. I think of Eddie's brother, Father, with the cancer. Lord, again, I pray, Father, that you'll just do miraculous things, things that uh, can't be explained by man. Lord, that you'll work and for his niece, Lord, with her heart issues that she has, Father, help her physically. Lord, I think of other requests this morning that's been mentioned. Lord, I think of L- Olivia there, uh, the doctor with the two children that's got the ear infections. Lord, just help them recover from this and to get better. Uh, Father, for other requests that, Lord, I failed to mention. Lord, they've slipped my mind. But Father, I'm, I'm glad you don't have a mind like mine. Lord, nothing slips your mind. You see all and you know all, you hear all. You care about all. Father, just work in every situation. And Lord, I need your help this morning. I do want to be a blessing. Father, as we talk about the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind, Lord, help us to understand that and help us to understand what Christmas time is all about. Lord, bless every Sunday school teacher this morning. Father, uh, bless the preaching service to come. Lord, take full control. Uh, may everything glorify you first and foremost. May everything bring glory and honor to our Savior who is so deserving of our glory, of our honor, of our worship. And we'll give you the praise for all that's done. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Take your Bible. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And then go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I want to read one phrase in Luke chapter 2. You know, when you read the Word of God, you study the Word of God, you can see God's plan of introducing His Son into this world unfold through the Word of God. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to the day that the Lord Jesus Christ would leave eternity and enter into time as a babe. As a babe in a manger. You know, and you can talk to people about the babe in the manger and nobody gets offended. But you begin to talk about what that babe in the manger came to do. And it seems to offend people. He didn't come just to be born in a manger. He came because man needed a Redeemer. Stop and think about it for a moment. Had He not come, had that promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15... On the very day, the very day that Adam sinned in the garden, God made a promise. Before the foundation of the world ever was, it had been decided that God's own Son, co-equal with God, co-existent with God, God's own Son, God would become flesh. God would become flesh to come to this earth, live a sinless life as God, live a sinless life as man. Listen, he wasn't 50-50. He wasn't 50% God, 50% man. He was 100% God, 100% man. Now, can I explain all that? No. No, I can't. Listen, God's going to explain it all to me one day. It'll become so clear one day that our Savior came into this world. God gave the greatest gift that could have ever been given to man. All through the Old Testament, Everything that God did. I've looked at so much scripture this morning. I told Carrie I had no idea where it was going. I was looking up some things, and if you're writing things down, just some promises of God about the Savior. I'm not going to teach on this, but some things I've looked at this past week. Promises that God made about the very Son of God. One, he would be human, not an angel. Genesis 3.15, Hebrews 2.16. Two, He would be a Jew and not a Gentile. You know, there's a lot of debate today about who Jesus was. Listen, He was a Jew. Among the world, there's debate. He was a Jew. He would be a Jew and not a Gentile. Genesis 12.1-3 numbers 24 17 3 he would be from the tribe of judah genesis 49:10 4 he would be of the family of david 2 samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 17 5 he would be born of a virgin Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. 6. He would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Micah 5 2. And there's many more, but those are some things that I looked up this week about the promises of God that have been fulfilled. Every one of them were fulfilled. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1, I just want to read one phrase, the very first phrase, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, God promising his son, all the way back from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, to mankind about the seed of the woman, God had promised that Messiah. And can you imagine that every woman from Eve's day, I'm sure that when Eve had Seth, she probably thought, this is the one. This will be the Messiah. All the way through, all of those Jewish women praying that they would be the one that God would bring the Messiah. but it does come to pass. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I want to read verses 4 through 7 or so. Galatians chapter 4. Talking about the greatest gift that God has ever given to mankind. The greatest gift you know, all of us like to receive gifts. You know, it's our nature. It's just our nature. We love to receive gifts. You know, even though, if you, re- when you read, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 20, verse 25 I have down here. It's more blessed to give than to receive. No matter what, You received this year. There's never been a gift given like the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. Never in this world has there been a gift given. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, we read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, and it said, And it came to pass. Galatians 4 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come. God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Hallelujah. And because ye are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know the little term, Abba, Father, that is so personal. You know what that is saying in our language? Daddy. Daddy, Father. That's how personal it is. Verse 7 says, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son; and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Talking about that gift, turn over just a page or so. You don't have to. I'll read it in Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse fifteen, describing this gift. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. This gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. A gift. Beyond description. I can't begin to describe what that gift means in my life. I can only read of the torment of hell. None of us have experienced the lake of fire. We have an example in Luke chapter 16 where the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes and being in torment, and he sees Lazarus so far off in Abraham's bosom. And he cries out for Abraham to send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue. He says, for I am tormented in this flame. That was 2,000 years ago. Almost four, That was more than 2000 years ago. And right now he is still being tormented in that flame where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched. And and to understand this he hasn't even received his final judgment yet. He hasn't stood before God at the great white throne of judgment yet. To receive the final judgment where God casts them out into outer darkness to the lake of fire where there will never, ever be an opportunity to repent. I haven't experienced anything like that. You haven't. But I know from the Word of God, the pictures that God gives of hell, what I have been rescued from. I've received some good gifts in my life. But listen, this is an indescribable gift. There's no gift that compares to the gift of salvation. No gift. There's nothing in the world to compare to it. And when the fullness of time was come, when everything was ready, God sent His Son to be born of a pure virgin, Mary. When everything was right, it came to pass. The objective... I came to this passage this past week. And I started reading it and looking at it. Verse 4 said, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Why? I wrote down in my Bible above it, why? Why would God give His only Son? The purpose, the objective is found in verse 5 to redeem them, to justify us, to make us right with God, to redeem them that were under the law, that we, listen how personal this thing gets, listen to how many times you hear we, ye, thou, your, that we, might receive the adoption of sons. Christ came to this world for one purpose. One purpose. Not to be a great teacher. Not to be a leader. To be the Savior of the world. Luke 19.10 says this. Luke chapter 19.10. and You know the verse. I'm going to turn here and read it. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says this For the Son of Man, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Son of Man has come what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Who was that? All of humanity. Why? We're all in Adam. Every single one of us had a need. We were all in sin. And He came to seek and to save. We're not seeking Him, He's seeking us. Why did He come? Verse 5 tells us why He came. The outcome... when the lord jesus christ hung on the cross what did he cry out it is finished god's redemptive plan it came to pass when the fullness of time was come that god sent his only son into this world john 3:16 Because of the love of God for man, God sent His Son to die in our stead. And the outcome of that, in John chapter 19 and verse 30, I was reading a verse this week, John chapter 19 and verse 30, says this, John chapter 19 and verse 30, says, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. Not, I am finished. He didn't say, I am finished. It is finished. What is finished? God's plan for salvation that was established before the foundation of the world. Not before Joseph and Mary. Not even... At Adam's day. Listen, God planned this before the foundation of the world began. Listen, God's plan, God's redemption, it is sufficient. It is sufficient for all of mankind that will come and accept the gift for all time. It's sufficient. His death and his burial and his resurrection are sufficient. That was the outcome. That's why he came. That's the outcome of him coming. What we have now, when you look at these verses, you see how personal it is. Jesus did what no other person could have ever done. I was thinking about nights you know the night that he came i can't help but always think about that night what it was like the way that it changed the world you know there's been lots of different nights that changed the history of man you know i think about the night that the the war between the states ended people happy it's over with it's done Then the next morning they awake and find out that the president's been assassinated. You know, I think about the night before Pearl Harbor. When we were in the war, we were watching the war from a distance. Changed everything, didn't it? There's been lots of nights. But there's never been a night like that night. Never. Never. The prodigal son, it goes on to say here, and we're out of time. But listen, he says here in verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. I'm not a servant. I'm a son. I'm a son. You're a son. You're a child. We're all in one family. You know, the the prodigal son, when he came to himself there in the hog pen, and he said, I'll go back to my father's house. What did he desire of his father? Make me a what? A servant. But what did his father desire? No, I'm not going to make you a servant. You're a son. You're a son. That's what we are now. And then look at, look at our future. I wish I had time just to keep going here. But look, look at the end of verse 7. An heir of God through Jesus, through Christ. An heir of God through Christ. I wrote down here what belongs to my Father belongs to me. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. We are heirs to the greatest estate that ever existed. I'm an heir to the greatest estate that has ever existed. What God did for us, listen, it's far beyond our comprehension. It's far beyond our explaining. But don't forget this Christmas... That you have been given the greatest gift. The greatest gift in this world. The Lord Jesus Christ.